Welcome to the podcast, Accounting in Business, where I talk with business professionals about how they use accounting in their job. Today, I'm talking with Coleman Schultz, a senior associate at Riveron, a consulting company. He did graduate in accounting, but his current role would be considered a finance consulting position in the mergers and acquisitions space. How much is a business worth? There's a lot involved in that analysis. Just like when you are looking to buy a used car, you do all of your research, check the car out in person and take it for a test drive, hoping you make a good purchase and pay a fair price. Coleman's group helps businesses go through the same process, although the dollar numbers and risk are a lot higher and the research more in depth. Let's go to the interview. Well, Coleman, thanks for meeting with us today. First, why don't you tell us where you attended college and what was your major? I went to BYU and uh, got a bachelor's and a master's in accounting from there. Okay, so you're an accounting major. Why did you pick accounting? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think the the first thing that comes to mind is my my father started, he, he got a finance degree and he don't, the role he was in right out of his career or right out of school was kind of like a quasi accounting finance rule or role. And he'd always told me he wished he had had an accounting background or a better accounting background to better understand what was really going on because it took him a long time to get up to speed. And I think just accounting just gives you so many options to do so many things and you learn, you know, a substantial amount of what you would in the finance program. There's a lot of overlap there. And so the ability to have an accounting role or a finance role is, is really attractive to like employers, or if you want to pivot later in your career, like it just all works. And so I think it's just, it's a good way to be general and specific at the same time. Mm-hmm. Great. Tell us a little bit about your work history and what your current role is and what that entails. Yeah. So I started my career with Deloitte doing audit. Um, like uh, most people from that program do. I was there for four years and then I left to join a, uh, where I am now called Riveron. It's a consulting firm. Um, I do financial due diligence, which is uh, in very layman's terms, you know, homework on uh, financial homework for mergers and acquisitions. So when one company is looking to buy another company, they will hire us to perform uh, financial analysis um, to come up with uh, to help generate uh, an adjusted earnings numbers that bankers can use as they find a way to value the business that's being bought or sold. Um, and there's a lot more nuance in that that I could explain later. But high level, just it's basically when it, it really happens when two companies are engaged, so to speak, when there's a, an LOI or an LOE that's been signed, and then we would come in and help them um, in that period of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And so I've been here doing this for um, 18, 19 months almost. Okay, good. So the <laughs> LOI, letter of intent, or LOE, letter of engagement, where parties yep. agree that, hey, let's take a look at, let's look under the hood, if you will. And you're kind of looking at the financial aspects of the deal. Yep. So, you know, a company, the, the, the example I always give is, you know, let's say company A and B, company A is looking to buy company B and you know, company B says, Hey, our earnings are a hundred million dollars. And then we would come in there and say, well, listen, you know, these guys had this Bitcoin investment. And so your earnings from Bitcoin were $80 million. So your investment from operations was actually 20. And you could go through some other things and figure out they sold all their real estate. And then they paid the, the owners a huge bonus. And when you get down to it, it's like, no, your operations are actually only earning you 
three million dollars a year. It's not a hundred million dollars. And so, on the on the face, the what Company B is trying to sell itself on a hundred million dollars, and Company A is going to try to buy Company B based on three million dollars. And so, we just play that role of, in that instance, representing the buyer to help them figure out what is this company like, what is this company actually earning from their actual operations and, you know, take out the noise of, yeah, their Bitcoin or what they paid their, uh, their CEO or whatever else is going on. Mm-hmm. Great. How does accounting impact your job? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at balance sheets and P and L statements uh, all the time, you know, and so I think from that basic point, but also you know, being able to understand in some instances, the debits and the credits, you know, like what's happening in this transaction and being able to to think through the process of how a transaction goes from life to paper, as it, as it were, um, goes from happening to being recorded and being able to, to understand that flow makes some of these transactions we, we think about or talk about or when a, a CFO is explaining this thing that they did and you can think through the process of how it makes it onto um, you know, into the financial statements, that makes it a lot easier to, to be able to digest rather than not having an accounting understanding. Mm-hmm. Good. When you look at companies, what have you noticed? You mentioned kind of like how their earnings for one year with an investment like in Bitcoin goes through the roof and it looks like their business is going very well. <laughs> What are some things you've found as you've looked at different companies where they've maybe made mistakes or maybe haven't presented themselves adequately enough that have hurt them in, in this process? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think of one deal in particular, it was um, a small family owned business that uh, in a, <coughs> in a <coughs> medium sized Midwestern town, the family had owned the business. It was the third generation. It's been around for 70 years kind of like the staple of the town. Um, and these guys, it was an agricultural business and the guys who ran the, the company, wonderful guys, but they're, they're farmers, right? They're, they're not accountants. They're not CFOs. They're, they're farmers. And we were doing some analysis on their, their customers. We got all their transaction data and we were looking to see like who you really sell into and for how much. And the, the CEO was like, well, you know, we sell to the, all these guys and, you know, our profit margins on these types of sales should be 50%. And, uh, you know, we went and looked at the data and it was like 40%. And we're like, well, what's going on here? And he was like, well, no, 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 that shouldn't be right. Like it, it should be 50%. Like, and so we asked him, was like, do you give your biggest customers like sales discounts? And he was like, well, no, never. Like, why would we do that? And we went and looked at the data and sure enough, like the top 10 customers were each getting huge discounts and the, everybody else was not. And so like the bottom 90% of customers, their profit margins were 60%, but the top 10 customers, their profit margins were 30%. And so there was just this dis, disconnect there where the, the CEO just had no idea. You know, He'd never looked at sales by customer and he'd never been able to dissect what the profit margin for a particular customer was. And when we showed that to him, he was like, shocked that they were doing this. And it wasn't like it was, you know, they weren't about to go fire somebody for this, but he was just like, wow, we've never, you know, looked at our data this way and we've never dissected our sales this way. And them not understanding that like that process really hurt them um, later as they were, you know, cause to that, 
to him, you know, it was a $5 million business, but it was, you know, in our analysis, it was a $3 million business. And that's a huge disconnect sometimes. Um, you know, it's a 50% disconnect almost. Yeah. That's a big difference. <laughs> Good. What accounting concepts are critical for someone in your role? Uh, all of them. <laughs> um, I'm just really understanding how the, the balance sheet and the in the P&L, the income statement, interact with each other. And, you know, a, a change on one is almost always going to reflect on a change on the other. Right. So a, a sales are going to lead to accounts receivable or, um, you know, PP&E is going to lead to depreciation expense and being able to to understand the links between the financial statements, I think, is something that a lot of I know I struggled with at the beginning. And I think a lot of students who just take one accounting class really struggle with this to get that linkage between everything. Mm-hmm. Great. What advice would you give to a student taking their first accounting course? Uh, study hard. <laughs> I mean, it, it can definitely be complicated. I think a lot of the things you talk about in accounting are, are phrases or words or terminology that you've heard before, like sales or profit or revenue or income, but it's, it's really understanding what those mean. And I, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, really being able to understand the definitions, because I think a lot of times people, you know, they hear, like uh, an income number and they think income, you know, meaning sales or, or does that mean, you know, what, what I actually made at the end of the year. And and so helping to understand, helping to not helping to being able to understand, you know, what those terms mean and how they relate um, really makes a difference. Cause if, if some, you know, as a friend of mine, his wife is kind of like an Instagram influencer. And she was talking on one of her stories the other day about how she runs a, um, a six figure business. And, and in my mind, I thought, great, she has revenue of six figures, but like, what are her, like, what's her profit margin? Like, whatever her expenses, what is she actually making? And I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, you know, this business, you know, Google makes $10 billion a year. Well, it's like, all right, well, forget what it may, like what revenue comes in, like what stays in the business and being able to really understand that I think is something that's critical for like first time accounting students. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Any last words of wisdom you have for students who are in their kind of freshman, sophomore, of their college experience? That's a that's a loaded question, Patrick. <laughs> it, it, enjoy it. I, you know, I I think that one thing I wish I had done more of. You know, I got into the accounting program at BYU, and it's it's rigorous enough. And it, it, at the time, it was extremely structured, right? Like you were going to take these three classes this semester, and you know, I when I got into the program, I knew my next eight or seven, however many semesters, I knew exactly what classes I was going to take each semester, and there was just a lot of regiment there. And I wish I'd taken just like some random history class or sociology class or political science, you know, these other things that I'm, that aren't going to be my breadwinner in my life, but that I'm interested in. And I I wish I had spent more time, less time focusing so much on the accounting program and on my major and more time on these other things that I could have studied and learned about. Um, I think it's just so easy to get mired in the process that you just forget about everything else. And that's, that can, uh, I don't know, can be a, a bad thing at times. No, that's a really good, good tip there, because it's easy to get focused on your major because you think this is what's is what's important. It's going to give me a job. 
But once you get that job, you realize, wow, my job entails a variety of skill sets, not just accounting or finance or marketing and getting that kind of broad base and that desire of kind of learning something that's interesting will help you no matter what stage you are in, in your career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, obviously I do financial analysis for a living, but you know, there's still an analytical component that you really can't, you're not going to learn in in a business class, for instance, but you can learn those analytical skills in other classes and other majors and other departments. And I think I wish I had sort of internalized that more and, and explored that more. Cause I think to your point, it's, my job isn't just like in Excel hitting, you know, enter and, you know, control V it's, you know, there's more to it. And as great as the accounting programs are, and as great as those classes are, they're not going to teach you all of the skills that you need to know for your career. And there's other places to get those. And you just need to recognize that. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. Anytime. The story of the farming business was really interesting. The CEO's target was a 50% profit margin, and in the aggregate that was true. However, he assumed that applied to all of the customers equally. But through some additional analysis, Coleman's team noticed that by customer, their largest clients received a discount and their other customers paid more. You might wonder how that could happen. One potential answer is conflicting goals among groups. The marketing team is rewarded by how many clients they get for the company and the finance function is trying to meet a target of 50%. The marketing team might give a deep discount in order to win a client without considering the financial ramifications. Developing key performance indicators for a business and how they are rolled out in non-competing ways is important for businesses to consider. As you start your career, it is wise to think about how what you do impacts other groups and the financials. Thinking that way will separate you from your peers. I appreciated Coleman's advice of taking classes in college that will make you a more well-rounded individual. Yes, you have your required courses, but consider the development of your whole self and take some classes that will help you in the future. You can be an object in the system, or you can be an agent and take charge of your experience while in college. You can do this.